from the Museum of Science in Boston, this is Pulsar, a podcast where experts answer questions from you, our audience. I'm your host, Susan Heilman, and today we're going to be answering questions about dinosaurs. And our expert today is Dr. Alex Hastings, a paleontologist who's been on prehistoric digs all over the world, including in Columbia, Wyoming, and Virginia. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the invite. So my first question is actually from Kaylin, and she wants to know, what is it about dinosaurs that make them so captivating? And her follow-up is, why don't we seem to be as enamored with other ancient creatures? Well, I think one of the reasons why people like dinosaurs so much, um, myself very much included, is that they are kind of, they're just weird, large things that are, you know, much bigger than most of the things we're used to running into um, here on Earth now. But what's always fascinated me is that they actually are from our Earth. This is our own history of this planet. And to imagine going far back in a time when these things were actually around and breathing and eating and doing all the things they did is just absolutely fascinating. So I think kind of just the, the weirdness and the size is a huge factor. Um, and because this came about as kind of paleontology got started in like the late 1700s, dinosaurs were really one of the earlier things that people started finding. So that really kind of set into people's minds um, early on into what, as we start to interpret like what fossils are and what ancient history is. Um, and then I think just having that that history kind of tagged along with it um, meant that, you know, oh, but there's also these other things kind of gets a bit lost in the mix and people don't fully understand that uh, it's actually a much, much broader picture of ancient life through time that includes way, way, way more beyond just the dinosaurs there. Um, that having been said, though, Dinosaurs are still amazingly, awesomely cool and absolutely deserving of all the attention that they get. But there are quite a lot of other really fascinating things out there. Um, I think they just don't have quite the appeal because they're not as well known and because they're a lot of them aren't nearly as big. And um, but I think uh, if, as we kind of continue talking about these awesome other cool things out there, I think we'll uh, we'll help get the love spread across the rest of ancient life, too. <laughs> That's a good point. Because uh, I know, Alex, you're a big fan of, of reptiles, ancient reptiles, and ancient kind of everything, I guess. True. It's very true. I've got projects um, ranging from uh, dinosaurs. I've done a ton of stuff on crocodiles. Uh, there's a very large snake in the mix there. Um, but I've also done stuff even on tiny oysters uh, and whales, mammoths, all kinds of stuff. Oh, that is cool. So yeah, you're you're one of those ones who are enamored with with many ancient creatures. Very much. So Alex, you and I met when I decided I thought it would be fun to do a dinosaur dig, and I found a random one kind of to join, and that's where we met, and it was out in Wyoming. Um, so why don't you tell a little bit more from the paleontologist perspective about what that Wyoming dig is like? Yeah, sure. Um, so this is a site that uh, has been worked for a number of years um, in the Jurassic period. This is uh, towards the end of that. It's about 150 million years old. Um, and it is a really productive bone layer um, where we're looking at um, fossils that are mostly from a long-necked dinosaur. Um, 
So this would include things that uh, people might be familiar with, um, like Brontosaurus, Apatosaurus, Diplodocus. Uh, these actually all lived at the same time and place. Um, there's actually a whole bunch of these dinosaurs that have been found in that area. And one of the things we've actually been trying to figure out is uh, exactly which uh, long neck dinosaur we've got there. Uh, there have been a few other kinds of animals from around that time, too. Um, this is in a, a pretty dry area of Wyoming. It is absolutely gorgeous, uh, and I am missing it right now. Yes, <laughs> I am definitely missing it a lot, too. Um, so you mentioned that there's a lot of different dinosaurs in that area, um, Brontosaurus, Apatosaurus, Diplodocus. So one of the questions I have here from Mern is why have some dinosaur names changed since some of us were kids? So Apatosaurus and Brontosaurus, sometimes they say they're the same. Sometimes they say they're different. What What's changed? Right. Um, so the, the Brontosaurus name is a great example of that because um, – if you go way, way, way back uh, to actually when uh, Apatosaurus, which is, a, again, a long-necked dinosaur, uh, was named uh, in the 1870s, um, and then basically just a, a little bit after that, uh, the name Brontosaurus was given to another long-necked dinosaur from the same rock unit. Um, so basically, the, the authors thought that they were separate enough that they could justify uh, this being a different species from the first one. So you had Apatosaurus and Brontosaurus as two different kinds of dinosaurs in the same unit. Now, a few years after that, in the early 1900s, uh, Elmer Riggs uh, went through uh, the Apatosaurus and Brontosaurus bones and was like, these things are so similar. We, they're just the same thing. They're, that meant that the name Brontosaurus actually would be invalid in that the name would have to be a patosaurus for anything that you would otherwise call a brontosaurus. That means, though, that uh, the name brontosaurus should have gotten gone out of use uh, way back in 1903. However, uh, it definitely has been used quite a lot since then, um, and a large reason for that is uh, the American Museum of Natural History in New York City unveiled uh, just a little bit after the time that uh, this study came out in uh, 1905, uh, one of the first, actually it was the first uh, full reconstruction of one of these big long neck dinosaurs. And because this wasn't really resolved, or they, at least they felt it wasn't resolved and they had already kind of planned the whole thing, they had Brontosaurus on the front there. And because this was the thing, this was the like, oh my gosh, this thing's enormous. This is the first time we've really seen this. Um, even though this is, you know, early 1900s, this went everywhere, all over the world. People, and it just like lodged into, you know, the, the zeitgeist. Um, and people have thought of uh, these big long neck dinosaurs as Brontosaurus, even though that name should have died in 1903. However, the good news is, for anyone that really loves the name Brontosaurus, um, is that uh, in 20... It was 2014, 2015, uh, a guy named Emmanuel Chope um, studied the heck out of not only Brontosaurus and Patosaurus, but all of its relatives and really, really looked at all the tiny little details and found that there were justifiable reasons to separate Brontosaurus and Apatosaurus. Um, <laughs> so that means that um, that name actually becomes valid again over 100 years later. And it retroactively makes all those kids' book uh, accurate again whenever they write Brontosaurus into it. Um, so it's something that really most of us should have never grown up with it at all. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of reasons we did anyway. Um, 
But thanks to uh, some very, very dedicated work, uh, there's actually reasons why you can use the name Brontosaurus again. Um, so you can go ahead and use it. This actually held up pretty well over the last few years. Um, so I haven't really heard of any big pushback. So um, the, the scientific community seems to be behind Brontosaurus being resurrected. That's awesome. So I knew part of that story, but I still, I always wondered, but why do I know Brontosaurus if it was supposed <laughs> to be gone? And I had no idea it was because of the, the New York Museum. That makes sense. They put it into everyone's heads. So that's what they mm -hmm. would call it. But now it's back. I tell, I've told people that it's yep. back. It's okay. You can use Brontosaurus again. Amazing. This is one of my questions. What is your favorite part about a dinosaur dig? Um, my favorite part of, of any dig um, is the discovery moment itself. And that's kind of going from, you know, all right, we got a good idea that there's going to be something around here, but digging, 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 and then actually like, all right, here's a little bit here. Let's see what's going on. And then when that turns into something that, number one, you can actually tell what it is, and number two, um, ends up being really, really cool. Um, so it's, it's being the first person in ever um, to see what's coming out of the ground and also knowing that that bone has not even seen daylight at all in millions and millions and millions of years and you are there for that moment when it comes out is really, really cool. It's one of my favorite parts of the job. That is cool. I never really quite looked at it from that perspective. I always thought it was cool to think about this bone was part of a living animal moving around absolutely yes and that's all very much a was once a, a living biological system and to think about these things roaming around and um you're holding actual remains from these giant massive creatures from a time so far back that uh not only were there no people but it would it looked crazy different from what it does today yeah. Well, compared to where I am in Massachusetts, Wyoming still looks pretty crazy different, but <laughs> it, the fact that it probably looked even more different is, is really impressive. So that's all we have time for. We got through some of our questions, some of my questions. So I want to thank you, Alex, for taking the time here to chat with me today. No problem. So that's it for this episode of Pulsar. If you'd like to have one of your questions answered by a visiting expert and hear the answer here on Pulsar, you can email us at sciencequestions@mos.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Pulsar, please visit www.mos.org slash science matters to support our MOS at home. And join us again soon.